welcome. It's good to be here together and uh, welcome on this new season of this journey that we have been on. So I want to say welcome both to all of us gathered in person, but also to all the church gathering online as well. And uh, it's good that we can be together by God's Spirit uniting us in Christ. And so uh, as we gather, just a couple announcements before we begin our time here. Um, The first thing is that after the service, there'll be a chance for us to see each other and to greet one another. Um, the other church of the Nazarene church will come in, so we need to be out of the building at, at 1030. So just to know that we should be out so they can be prepared for their service. But I encourage you to stay after for a few moments to, to greet one another. Or you can go outside in the cold <laughs> if, you, if you so choose. Also online, uh, Pastor Brian's there welcoming those who are on Zoom. And there'll be a chance again after the service to greet one another and see each other. Uh, Will Atkins has an announcement on behalf of the deacons about the Benevolence Fund. So uh, first of all, I just want to um, express gratitude and thankfulness for we've, we've been very fortunate to receive um, a lot of donations uh, in the last couple of months, mainly around the end of the year. And uh, so we're, we're very blessed to have um, a healthy benevolence fund that we can, that we can use as, as the needs arise. So thank you for that. Um, to those of you who want to contribute to the benevolence fund, you can do that in a few different ways um, online. Uh, if you follow the links on our webpage, you can designate a gift to the Benevolence Fund. You can do it as a one-time gift. You can do it as a recurring gift. Um, if you have any questions about that, feel free to reach out to me or to Chad or any of the pastors or other deacons. Um, and additionally, just a reminder that if you have a need or you're aware of a need, anyone that you know in our community, um, please uh, feel free to raise those to us. So uh, reach out to any one of us and um, we'd be happy to talk with you confidentially about what that need is and, and use the funds to meet that. So if there's any questions, uh, feel free to come up to me after the service too. Thank you. Thanks, Will. Um, one other note about giving, you can drop off checks in the back of the sanctuary or you can give online as well. We won't have an offering time during our service. Uh, also, there is, we'll have communion during the service uh, today. So if you don't have a, uh, the elements, they are available in the, in the back there. You know, anyone need one who is here to grab one? Okay. If you're worshiping online, you know, there is a way to fill out a request, and the elders and staff are happy to, to bring those to you. The next time we'll do communion is on the 28th of February. Well, God's called us to gather and worship. Let's take a moment of quiet to prepare ourselves to come before God. morning. Our uh, call to worship this morning is from Psalm 50. Those uh, who are here in person are asked to stand with us. There will be a a responsive reading uh, after we sing. Uh, We won't be singing in person, but those who are home are encouraged to sing along with us. The heavens declare His righteousness. 
for God himself is judge. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The Mighty One, the God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes, he does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire, around him a mighty tempest. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel. I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. I will not accept a bull from your house. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. For the world and its fullness are mine. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. You may be seated. Before I pray this morning, um, Laura and Adrian Tabungai have asked for prayer from us. Um, Laura's father uh, actually passed away early this morning. So as part of our time of prayer together, I will be praying for them. His name is Dan. Let us pray. Steadfast, almighty, gracious God, you reveal yourself as the light of light, king of kings, and lord of lords. Your power, majesty, and glory are far beyond our ability to comprehend and imagine, and yet you have spoken to your people through the prophets by your word. To Abraham, you promised that you would bless the nations and bring your salvation into the world. And now in Christ Jesus, your glory and light shines in the darkness, and the darkness will not win. We come to you this morning blinded by our own perceptions and assumptions of this world, ourselves, and even our God. A heavy veil covers our eyes from the truth, and a thick fog lingers over us. Lord God, we pray this morning that your light would shine in our hearts and continue to reveal your goodness, love, mercy, and justice in Christ. Lord God, we continue to lift up and plead for mercy for those 
who have been affected by the virus, for those who have lost loved ones, we ask for comfort and peace that surpasses all understanding and that you would surround them with your spirit. Lord God, in particular this morning, we, we grieve with our sister Laura and our brother Adrian. Lord God, we ask that you would be with the Tabungai family, that you would draw around them as they grieve the loss of their father, of their grandfather, of their father-in-law. Lord God, we pray that you would be, especially meet them now, even this very morning, that you would meet them now and that they would know that they are loved by you and loved by us. Gracious God, we continue to pray for our school systems throughout the city. We pray for protection for all those going back. We pray for wisdom. We pray for even the students who are struggling as they continue to learn virtually. Lord God, we, just, we pray for a special mercy to them this morning. And lastly, we want to give thanks for the provision of this church building for our use. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters from the Church of the Nazarene, how they have opened up this space and continue to allow us to use it. Lord, we pray that, you would, that, that our worship would honor you in everything that we do. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us today by your Spirit, and that we, are, that we who are worshiping, whether here or elsewhere, that, that we would know that we are united by your Spirit in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship together, God invites us graciously to come before him with our confessions, with, with places in our life where we have failed, where we have fallen short, and he is gracious to hear our prayers. We will first do that publicly and then privately. Holy and merciful God, in your presence we confess our sinfulness, our shortcomings, and our offenses against you. O God of heaven and earth, you emptied yourself of power in order that you might heal your world. Teach us to empty ourselves of the things that destroy us and keep us alone. O God the Father, creator of heaven and earth, have mercy upon us. O God the Son, redeemer of the world, have mercy moments to reflect uh, with God.
Lord God, we give you thanks that your grace abounds far more than our sin, that you are more faithful to us even when we fall short. We thank you in Christ. Amen. Well, would you please stand with me, and we will respond together in assurance from these words from Isaiah 45. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Amen. You may be seated. The Old Testament lesson is 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has called me as far as Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water, and the water was parted to the one side and to the other, till the two of them could go over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. The New Testament lesson is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. 
For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. continue looking at the Gospel of John uh, today, and then starting next Sunday is the season of Lent, and so we'll have a new uh, series during that time. But we've been looking at the Gospel of John chapter 7 and 8, and it's good to be with you, thankful for a chance to, to join together online and in person. And I want to read chapter 8, verse 48 through 58. It's printed here in your order of worship. The Jews answered Jesus, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who died, and the prophets died? Who do, make, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as we reflect on this passage, I want to look at the two questions that the crowds ask Jesus. Are we not right in our judgments about you? And then later, who do you think you are? (laughs) Who do you think you are? Now, during these chapters in John, we've seen that Jesus makes all sorts of claims about himself that stir up the crowds and shock them and disturb them. He said things like, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Unless you believe that I am the one sent from the Father, you will die in your sins. If you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God. Well, the crowd's confusion and shock is what leads us to the beginning of our passage and the first Question, are we not right in our judgments in saying that you are a Samaritan and that you have a demon? They're calling Jesus names, right? A Samaritan was one that was looked down upon, one who was unclean, an outsider. 
And so they're saying to Jesus, aren't we right? Isn't it right that you have shown yourself not really to belong? That you don't really belong with us, that you're unclean, that you're evil. And it's interesting that in all four Gospels, not just here, but all four of them, record Jesus being called names and being demonized. And what we can sense and understand is that the crowds call him names, they assign him labels, because he says things they do not understand, they do not like, or that do not fit into their categories or expectations. Now, I don't know about you, but it's tempting for us to dismiss these men and women as blind or closed-minded or just confused. But I think what we're invited to actually do is to step into their shoes or even to ask, what's it like when God is different than we expect? Or how do we respond when God's revelation, God's word, doesn't fit into our categories or our expectations. A few years ago, there was a study at the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill in which they showed over 500 American Christians pairs of photos. And they asked them, which of these photos looks more like God? (laughs) Now, that might be a strange question or strange practice. The the study said they weren't trying to actually create the image of the American God. But rather, the study was trying to point out or to explore how different factors impact how we see God or how we imagine who God might be. And the results suggest that our concept and view of God has a lot to do with our background, our bias, our identities. What the study found is that in many cases, what we want or imagine God to be like or to look like is like us. For example, one of the studies found out that those who were the youngest of participants tended to pick photos of people who were younger, while the older participants tended to pick images of people who were older in age. That's just one example, but the study was raising the question of is it true that we want a God that looks like us? This study highlights, I mentioned it highlights because it points to the passage's confrontation. What's going on here with the people's expectation of Jesus and calling him names? They're saying, Jesus, you do not fit. You do not fit what we are longing for or expecting. And it invites us to think again about a deep problem within all of us that we assume that God is like us. That this is part of our nature. That we assume that God sees and approaches the world the way that we do. So how do we respond to God or his word when it doesn't fit our expectations? Or how do we open ourselves to repenting or being formed by God instead of trying to form God like us? Well, reflecting on the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, the theologian Eugene Peterson writes or highlights before Jeremiah knew God, God knew Jeremiah. And he pulls this idea out in saying that God knows us before we know God. Now you might think, of course, of course that's the case, right? But if we actually think about that reality, that it invites us to flip around how we would think about 
knowing ourselves or knowing God, potentially freeing us from idols or our understandings. We know, we are known before we know. And it's a mistake to begin with ourselves. Your identity and my identity does not begin when I begin to understand myself. It's not rooted in what we accomplish or what we do or don't do. There's something previous to what others say about me. There's even something previous to what I think about myself. And that is what God thinks of you, thinks of me. We can start with how God sees us. And we have a chance to think about an example of Jesus here in our passage. How does he respond to being called names? You don't belong. You are evil. He considers and knows what his father thinks of him. I honor my father. I do not seek my own glory, but entrust myself to the one who is the judge. Jesus places himself, his identity, his mission into his father's knowledge of him. And this is not just in this moment, but we see it intensify throughout Jesus' life and ministry. The, the crowds and the powers will reject Jesus, and even those who say they are his friends will leave. They will judge him unrighteous or foolish, a criminal. They'll shame him on the cross. But this all leads to God's vindication that in the resurrection from the dead, God offers his judgment. And it's in that glory and vindication that Jesus then says the words, truly, 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 if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. You see, Jesus is talking not just about his experience, that the world can pass a judgment upon him, knowing that he knows that the Father will vindicate him. He says the same is for all those who express their identity and their trust in God's knowledge of you, in Christ. I remember when I was growing up on Valentine's Day, my favorite Valentine's were the Star Wars ones. You guys remember those? You could get some Luke, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Darth Vader. My kids, they really like the Fun Dip. Valentine's, if you guys are familiar with those, the actual candy powder is the Valentine that you receive. And I don't know what you think of Valentine's Day or if you're going to exchange things or not. But one of the things that maybe this day reminds us of is that words matter. Whether they're written down or whether they're spoken, it means something to have a friend, a family member, someone you care about speak words of kindness or affection. And Jesus is inviting us to think about that, not just in terms of a holiday, but to think about God's presence in Christ. Instead of a problem to be solved, God is the one who knows us, whose word and judgment is true. And this is revealed in Jesus, the vindicated one. What do you make of yourself? Who do you think you are, Jesus? That's the second question, and we'll just take a moment to talk of that one. Who do you think you are? Abraham died, the prophets died. Now we know Jesus, 
that you are out of your mind? Who do you think you are? And in many ways, both of these chapters in John have been leading to this question, who are you? And Jesus has been wanting to say over and over again through different images and different language that he is the one in which we can know who God is. He is the one in which we can know who we are. That in a decisive and unique way that God is present and active and speaking through Jesus. And so wherever we are today, whatever assumptions we might be feeling or other idols that we might cling to, Jesus invites us to be free of those, to start with him. Abraham was such a person. There's a lot we could say about Abraham, the passage talks about, but just one note, that he and his wife Sarah were barren, longing for a child. And according to the judgment of the world, the terms that could be used for Abraham would be alone, barren, old, past his days. And much of his story is the question, is there something more than that in his life? Is there something more? Or is that the full story? And God promises that in his grace that Abraham not only will have a child, that he and Sarah will not only have a child, but through their family, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And when Abraham believes that, he believes that God's word is something more than the evaluations of the world. It doesn't deny his sorrow, but it reminds him that there's something more than the knowledge he has of himself. And Jesus says, whenever we hope in God's word and hope that there's something more in our life than our, what we see or what others see, that we're actually looking to Jesus, the full embodiment of God's word and promise. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you are good to us to not leave us in our prisons of our own assumptions, but that you come to us that we would know you and know ourselves. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. The church is one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord she is his new creation by water and the wound from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride with his own Oh.
with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. Lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You may be seated. As we've talked many times, there are a lot of different voices or sources of knowledge that we can turn to to say who we are or who God is. But Jesus gave us this table and this meal as a way for us to be set not in how maybe our background would tell us, but in who he proclaims in Christ and the gospel. That our creator did not leave us in our sin and death, but came to us in his grace. And that by his grace that we can be welcomed in as sons and daughters at the family meal of God. This is the wonder of the good news. That this table is set for sinners like you and me. If you are going to receive the elements, I invite you to go ahead and uh, open those. If you don't have the elements today or are worshiping online and not have them, I invite you to take this time to remember Christ's spiritual presence. That this bread and cup point us to the truth of the gospel, that Christ by his spirit, though, is with you, ministering to you. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord, I thank you that you have gathered us as your people. We thank you for this table that interrupts the things that we might think about you or about ourselves. We thank you for this table that proclaims the truth that you not only are the creator that brings forth the bread and the wine and life, but you are a redeemer who pursues the sinner to bring them home as son and daughter to fellowship with you and that this place at the table is secure, not by what we've done or will do, but by the grace of Christ for us, the word that is greater than our sin and death. So, Lord, we pray that you would meet us, meet us by your Spirit now, to remind us of who you are and who we are in Christ. I give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and broke it saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. Lord, we thank you for this table. We thank you for these elements that we can see and hold and taste that speak the truth of who you are. Minister to us by your spirit this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I invite you to stand with me.
that we can respond to the table. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. Dying, you destroyed our death. Rising, you restored our life. Lord Jesus, come in glory. Receive now God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. You may go in peace. How are you guys? I'm good, thanks. I'll make sure. Thanks, <laughs> Susan.